professionals don't exactly get a complimentary portrayal in an untimely death on Passchendaele Ward, so we were keen to find out what they thought of the piece. We brought together a group of practitioners and educators and showed them the film. Well, I'd like to say, first of all, despite the horror of what that video so brilliantly portrayed, I still believe very firmly in the value of inpatient psychiatry. This is Mike, a psychiatrist. He's also been president of the Royal College of Psychiatrists, a carer and a service user himself. But as a concept that, that I joined psychiatry for, and that's a combination of temporary asylum for a world which has become too much for someone for a while, coupled with empowerment, trying to help people take charge of their own life again. And I think that film shows us brilliantly just how far we've got away from that sort of concept. The video brought out two competing discourses or perspectives, care and control. This is Ricardo, a lecturer in social work at the Open University. And whether there's a middle ground between care and control, does it always have to be two extremes or one or the other? It's perfectly reasonable to highlight the errors or the difficult areas that do need to be addressed. Dai is a GP in a small market town. He has a particular interest in psychiatry. I certainly don't get the impression in the real world that all medication is bad, all drug companies are bad, all managers are bad, though some of them are. It provokes us into thinking, well, what are the real problems that we do need to address? In many ways, for service users, that is the weakness of the system, in that the structure of most inpatient units is built around medicine. Sarah works for an advocacy project called People's Voices. This group was set up to empower service users. Then that's where the resources are, and that's where the resources come from. And to shift it to a more holistic approach will require a shift of resources that I'm not sure that we're up for. I think that, for me, the nurses talking was, you know, what, what did we come in this for? And as soon as you qualify, off you go and you fill in in paperwork, and that's a, a very similar story that you hear from people who qualify in social work these days. Julie's early career was in social work. She now works as a commissioner of mental health services. People do genuinely go into these jobs genuinely wanting to make a difference and somewhere along the way they lose their way. Julie's attention was caught by the play's reference to the National Service Framework, or NSF. And then you have the thing like the NSF. I thought that was absolutely excellent. It looks really good. No substance to it. We're given all these different policies and procedures to implement, but actually what we need to do is to be sitting down and asking people what they want how we can help them, not take your medication, pat you on the head, off you go. I must say, I could see the funny side in watching the film, mm. but equally I thought shock, horror, because it did portray the nurse's role, even the unit manager, I assume, mm. probably was a nurse mm. by background, and it gave a very negative to me, stereotypical sort of perspective on the nurse's role. In some ways, Anne's background makes her even more of a target of the play's message than the others round the table. She spent her career as a practising nurse and a manager within the mental health services.
while I agree with some of the points raised, I'm still very aware that there are some excellent practice that is taking place out there. And it, to me, it did give a very negative overview. And equally, I'm very aware that I have been training nurses, if you like, for many years. And as you quite rightly said, if you're churning these people out and putting them back into the community, educated, and when they get into practice, they're faced with this sort of swampy, awfulness that's taking place as practitioners, then who is actually supervising and leading them and taking them forward? Is the positive about the video, though, that you've got service users and saying, this is our voice? I suppose 10, 20 years ago, we didn't have stakeholder involvement, and so we got one perspective, we got one view. That's Ricardo. All of a sudden, we've got stakeholder involvement now and we're bringing out that perspective. So it could be a biased perspective. It yes. could be slanted to one, but at least yes. it's now having a voice. And I suppose it will balance up with what the managers yes. or the nurses will say. Yes, there was some care going on there, wasn't there? Yeah. But it was from patient to patient. It was mm. user to user. Mike? I, one of the things that worries me about uh, the protocols and the strategies yeah. and so on is that... They don't seem to me to have much meaning unless there are enough people on the ground to actually put them into place. Uh, There wasn't a single doctor, for example, throughout the whole of that film, and I guess that was deliberate. Because my guess, all those doctors were away on training courses talking about protocols and strategies Mm -hmm. and so on, or working out in the community because the conditions are better. Mm -hmm. And there weren't many nurses. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult, I think, for staff to care if there just aren't enough to go around. That's when it becomes about control and medication and, and keeping people down rather than allowing people even to make a cup of tea in the middle of the night. Sarah not only brings in experience as an advocate, but also as someone who's been a service user herself. Whilst there is good practice, and I wouldn't deny that yeah, even within a difficult inpatient unit, there is good practice and some good staff, it's difficult for them to maintain that vision and commitment to look long-term when actually there's a constant change within the NHS that leaves people uncertain and meeting must-dos rather than what they would want to do or what service users would like them to do. The must-dos must be done and that is what takes priority. This film actually has focused primarily on nursing staff versus the users. You're quite right, they said. We didn't see the consultant, psychiatrist or anybody else or, or the other doctors involved in care or even the other professionals. Where was your OT? Where was your social worker? They are part of an inpatient care setup, but but they weren't there. And it, ju- it just concerns me. It, it just gives me the feeling that it's a skewed view, rightly or wrongly. Mm. Well, it's going to be because it's mm. done by survivors of the mental health yeah, system. Yeah, sure. And but that's what's very concerning, is this view. But I don't know that it is because yeah. these are people who haven't been given a voice. Julie. Yes, there are things that we won't like about it, but they were using humour and their reality to portray a story. Mm. And I think that you have to look at that first and foremost and think, well, how can we make things better? We're never going to make everything right for a service user. Mm. There will always be something that you do that will just not be what they want. But actually, unless you sit down and ask someone how they'd like to be helped, what they are going to do for themselves, what you can do to support them, you're just maintaining this 
being done to and taking away every ounce well, of Well, I would have liked to see some more of that in the video, yeah. in the sense of how can we get this right together with some examples. Rather, I, I know the end, we had the song, but rather mm. than, it looked almost as if there, were, there was a tension and they're both working from opposing poles. But if they could have shown some examples that, uh, yes, you're absolutely right in the sense that maybe the nurses are not mm. giving the, the care and attention that is required by them. They've got a voice now. But how can we rectify this? Yeah, I'm left with the feeling that, yes, they're given the voice, and quite rightly so, but, but where do we go from here? I think at the end they, they offered a the beginning of a solution in terms of, of addressing the imbalance of power mm. and real involvement, not tokenism, within the decision-making, both on an individual basis in, in our own care and as an advocate supporting people to do that, but also in the larger, the long-term thing of where do we want this service to be? You know, locally, regionally, nationally, what part can service users play in that? And what do we need to do to support them to play an active and meaningful part rather than just say, we've ticked a patient box? Many in the group felt there was a gap between policies and slogans and what's actually happening on the ground. The National Service Framework is over five years old now. And yet, horrible though it is, I think that film is probably quite true to life on a lot of inner-city inpatient wards still. Someone has to ask, you know, what is the use of written slogans mm. if they don't actually translate it into what actually happens on the ward? Mm. I think one of the worst aspects of the mental health system at the moment is the way inpatient psychiatry has been left behind in the wake of all the innovation, all the resources and so on that have gone into community work. And inevitably, the end result is what you've got portrayed there. I've no problem with the inpatient units if they're therapeutic environments. Most of them clearly aren't. The locked doors all give different messages about danger and risk and failure, not about somewhere to rest and relax and take stock. The group went on to discuss some of the attitudes which could act as a block to radical change. I think one of the... The problem is the culture of blame that we all work in mm. in mental health services at the moment. Mm. There have been so many incidents like mm. the one portrayed in the film, not just in inpatient psychiatry but out in the community as well, that everybody's just waiting for the next inquiry. Hence we get that wonderful symbolism of the cupboard in the mm. film. You know, The awkward nurse mm. is stuck in the cupboard. The mental health commissioner is defeated by the skeletons in his own cupboard yeah. and so on. And Africa's in the cupboard. And advocacy is in the yeah. cupboard. And it, what we really ought to be doing is sitting down together as users mm. and carers who mm. weren't mentioned at all on that film, yeah. professional staff and managers and so on, and saying, yes, this system in many ways is rotten, but there are some good bits as well. Mm. How do we use the resources that we've got, including ourselves, together to make it work, to make it better, and to do all those things that you've just said? Mm. But instead, because of the... The fear of blame, we get divided up into stereotypes, yeah. carping at each other. And at the same time, when you said the dividing up and your earlier point that, you know, there should be inclusivity, you've got the service user who is shouting, saying, I am here, look at me, and you've got everyone else nodding, saying, yes, we hear you, but those with the power will still continue what they want to do. The yeah. blame culture brings about defensive practice, yeah. and it's... Do we and it's your name yes. on the paper. Yes. Mm -hmm. All of what you talked about then depends upon the time and the ability to sit down and talk with people and, above all, to listen. Mm. 
And that's the one commodity which seemed to me, as showed on that film, mm -hmm. nobody has. There are so few of us working such a huge system that apart from patients listening to each other, users listening to each other, carers listening to each other, nobody actually listens because nobody has the time to do it. And I wonder how we can get around that without massively increased resources. On a positive note, I mean, um, I live in the northeast of England, um, which is very, very white, and that's where my difficulties happened. Ricardo now switches to a different perspective. Like several others round the table, he's been a service user himself. The care and the service I got, I think, is second to none. And... Um, mm -hmm. I don't know why that is the case, and it was the place I felt comfortable to say, yes, I do have a problem because of the stigma attached to the whole idea. So it's a double jeopardy. You're black and you've got a diagnosable problem. How do you cope with it? But I did find the services worked like clockwork. That wasn't portrayed, as you said, in the video, because there's only so much you can say within 40 minutes or 30 minutes or however long it was. Dai believes GPs like himself should have more of a role. He points out that the community is the setting for most people's mental distress. Community health teams, above all, should know each other as people. If you ring somebody up and you're just the name at the end of a phone, you often don't get very far. If you're an actual person who, who met on a social level, all patients remember have a GP who usually knows them quite well because most psychiatry is very long-term. Um, and, and I think if, if we can get to know each other and begin to communicate ourselves, I can represent the patient's view as his GP, the hospital can represent his views as an inpatient, uh, and between us, with the patient, we ought to be able to move this forward. And it can work, I've seen it work. Anne sets her sights on professional training. The one good thing that came out of it for me was that some sort of action plan has got to take place for these service users and that now when we're looking at teaching our, our nurses that these are the issues that we have to make them aware. That this is what's happening out here. That's reality of practice for nurses. This is how your, the clients perceive you as, as a group. When I first came into psychiatry, if you received a diagnosis of schizophrenia or manic depression or whatever, it was a diagnosis of hopelessness. Mm -hmm. It was almost a sort of self-perpetuating circle. Mm -hmm. If you had schizophrenia, it meant an inevitable slow disintegration. And if you met somebody with an inevitable slow disintegration, they must have schizophrenia. There is now a much more optimistic view of the treatment of even severe mental illness, though as you know, an opponent of the drug companies, mm -hmm. I hate to admit it, <laughs> partly that's to do with better medication, but only in a minor way. The great advances have been in better care, mm. looking after people physically, giving them better housing, jobs or occupations mm. that make them feel worthwhile, social circles, friendships and so on. Mm. That's what's made the real difference. Yeah. And that is something very positive to rescue yeah. from the last few decades, I think. To wind up, we ask the group to give their take-home messages for people starting out on a career in mental health. I think the message, your single word message I want to leave students with is uh, empowerment. If we get enough good people in who are true to their ideals, and please don't let that brilliant but in a sense very pessimistic and stereotypical film put you off working in mental health if that's what you want to do because we need good people to work within it 
and to change it from inside. Can't change it from the outside. Got to change from within. The video will give you a very powerful message, but be open and true to yourselves. And remember, the key in this is about empowering others. Assuming the video is seen by service users and professionals during the course, I would say to both work together whenever possible to put forward constructive solutions. It is a very negative picture, but it actually is a reality for most people. But if we just back off from it and say, oh, we don't want part of it, but to be willing to embrace the challenge of it and to work in partnership, not as opposition. I think the crucial thing is for people to take away with them that they need to be providing a service that they'd be wanting to receive. And so you, you've got to be true to your values, got to be true to your ideals, you've got to believe in the idea of being able to recover. We all travel up and down the continuum of mental health regularly on a daily basis. It's nothing that's outside of anyone sharing the human condition. So remember what you'd like and go for that. One of the fundamental things about psychiatric services, psychological services, all about listening. And don't think that the consultant or the nurse or the GP or anyone else is unwilling to hear a different point of view. Always be prepared to up and say, well, I don't agree with that. I would do it differently. I would say the ideals that you had when you first started the course, don't believe that at the end of the course, or when you start your profession, you can't maintain or actually achieve those ideals. Don't let the system say that you can't do it, because you can. From the Open University. For more information, go to www.open.ac.uk forward slash use.